Thank you, Jamie. Well, good morning. It is a great morning to be together. It's always great to gather and to uh, chat together. But you know, I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about generosity, but just this past week, if you don't remember this, about a week ago, we had a lot of snow on the ground, and there was this whole thing that was going on that people were going to the store to buy their next two weeks of supplies. Do you remember that? <laughs> Lori told me this past week when she was, went to Aldi that it was so crazy, there was cars parked everywhere, people were all over the store, shelves were starting to be empty. She said, I just left. It was crazy. I didn't want to go in. It was just too chaotic. But, you know, there's nothing like a snowstorm to make us get all freaked out and scared of what might happen. And I don't know if you remember also, you know, about a couple years ago, there was these little round things called toilet paper rolls that were kind of scarce too. And people freaked out, right? Like, so they're, they're hoarding all this stuff. But there's just nothing like the possibility, the chance, that something could be not available for us to kind of get all about hoarding and about me and mine and taking care of myself. Because scarcity scares us. So when we think about the idea of scarcity, it's like, oh, what's going to happen if I don't have my, you name it, whatever it is, and you're concerned. Like, you may not even use milk and eggs, but you had to go to the store to get milk and eggs because just in case you didn't, you know, have them for the next two weeks, which we laugh at it, but the reality is it's kind of the way the world lives, right? It's kind of the way we live today because we are fearful that we won't have enough. We're fearful we're going to run out of something or that somebody won't have something they need. We are fearful that we don't have enough time, that we don't have enough energy, that we don't have enough money, that we don't have enough resources. And that's kind of what I would like to call a scarcity mindset, because I think our mindset matters when we talk about this idea of generosity, because it starts kind of with us thinking about, I'm not sure if I have enough. And actually, it started way back in the Garden of Eden. If you remember, the servant came to Eve in the garden, and what did he say to her? He's like, God is holding out on you. Why doesn't he let you eat of this tree? And so her mind went to, you're right, God might be holding on to me. He's not really good. He's not really giving me everything I need because the serpent said, if you take this, then you'll have everything you need. You'll be able to know good and evil. So it started way back then, and he put doubt in her mind whether or not God was good, whether or not God was going to give her enough, and whether he was going to be generous. And so the very start of the scarcity mindset started way back when sin entered the world, way back in the Garden of Eden. Now, unfortunately, the questioning of God's goodness and His generosity still makes many of us pause today and go, wait a minute, is God really good or is He just partly good? And we've been in this book of James, if you remember. We've been studying through the book of James, and we're kind of launching into something brand new today, which we're talking about wholehearted generosity. But back in the book of James, when we started James chapter 1, verse 5, um, this idea talks about if we lack wisdom, ask God, and He generously gives to all. What that means is basically this. We don't have to go hunting for and trying to figure it out. He generously gives it. He is a generous God who provides the things that we need. You know, I find it interesting that the reality is, as humans, we're like, wait a minute, we've got to figure this out on our own. We've got to wander around and hope we can get it right. And actually what the Scripture tells us is that God gives wholehearted generously to us the wisdom that we'll need for those things. But in this series that we're just kind of opening today, we want to explore God's generosity because He went first. We want to look at, you know, how do, how do we live this thing out? How do we live a generous life over and over? So, you know, we want to just take a moment today as we go through this to look at kind of what does that look like in our own lives? How do we live it? Like if it's a scarcity mindset we're struggling with, how do we become 
living in a generous mindset. But let's pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit, uh, who is our true teacher, to come. So, Father, we just invite your presence, Lord. I invite you to come and teach us and show us what we need to know. Who are you? Who are we? Where do we live? What are, the, what are the things in our lives, Lord, that are keeping us from living generously? Uh, as we look at you as our example, we realize that you are ultimately generous in all things, and so we want to live those kinds of lives. And Father, I pray that you give us the, um, give us the courage, Lord, to live the way you called us to live. Thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you hear the word generosity, I'd be curious to know what you think. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but what do you think about when you hear about the word generosity? M- most likely, you start thinking about money might be the first thing that clicks in your head. I don't know, potentially. But I want to encourage you to think about this this morning, that it's not just financially. It's the love that you give to people. It's the actual interaction that you have. It's the time you spend with them. Those are all things that you have to give generously. Generosity is a mindset that we have. It's something that comes from here more than it comes from what we have to give. Interestingly enough, uh, in the United States, generosity for generations has kind of been headed down, like percentage-wise, it's been headed down. But during the pandemic in 2020, actually during that year, people actually gave more. Generosity actually went up. So in the middle of uncertain times when we were met, where needs were around us, people literally started going, oh, we could help do this, we could help. And people found some sort of peace in actually helping and giving and helping others around them. Now, unfortunately, I just was reading statistics. It looks like it's trending back down again because people have gotten away from what they think is the need and now let's go back to regular life, which is kind of what happens so many times. But people really were generous. They actually found that people needed something and they would supply it. And you probably heard stories of that. I heard multiple stories about how generous people were. But, you know, when things get tough, what we often look to do is we just kind of take it to ourselves, right? I want you to think about a minute for your own, what your own mindset is in this. Do you see the evidence of generosity in your life? Like in the way you live, in the way I live, when I stop and pause and think, am I living generously? And what are we doing? Like what, what is the general thing that you do? If you're honestly thinking about your own life, how does it play out? How do you show generosity? Are you giving, I'm going to challenge you kind of on this thing of love for a minute, like are you giving love to the people around you? Are you generously giving time to your family, first of all, time to those people who are maybe extended, time to people at work who actually need your input, people who actually need a little bit of your time and energy, maybe just a time to talk? Are you giving away to them generously? Because, you see, generosity has little to do with how much we have, but it has everything to do with what we think. Generosity starts here more than with what we have in our hands. I don't know if you've ever heard this line, but I've heard it actually frequently from people. Well, I just don't have enough. You can say whatever it is, time, money, energy, whatever. I just don't have enough. You see, when we start thinking, I just don't have enough, that's scarcity thinking. That's not generosity calling us. I think there's two enemies in our lives that cause us to kind of pull in First is the confusion of who God is. Who is God? Is He really a generous God who loves us and cares for us and provides for us? And then secondly, we are just ultimately kind of selfish many times in our own way of thinking, right? We might go, yeah, God's a good God, but I need, so my I need comes before my generosity. So there's kind of two things there. But you see, God's generosity is foundational to our faith. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but just to give you kind of a quick little um, download of that is that 
God's generosity, he went first. You hear me say this many times during offering. I'll say, he went first. What do I mean by that? I mean, Jesus gave his very life. He generously gave his life. God gave his son so that we could have life. That's generous living. That's giving above and beyond what we can imagine. And that's generosity in a nutshell, is giving above and beyond. So living generously really begins with understanding who God is. We want to kind of understand more fully, who is he? Who is this God we talk about that we say is generous? Because the enemy is trying to get us to question whether or not God is really good. Is he trustworthy? Is it really true when we read that in the Bible? And we're going to sing a song today about the goodness of God. Is it really true that God's really good? Or does it just sound like a good line? And we don't always get to see it the way we want to see it. And I want to add that because I think sometimes we question God's goodness because we don't see him working the way we think he should be working sort of the way we think it should play out, what we want. So because we don't see it happening our way, we question God's goodness. Now, the truth, of the, the truth is God is good. That's the truth. So we have to replace the lie in our mind that he doesn't have enough, that he's going to take advantage of me, that he's holding out on me. We've got to replace that lie with the reality and the truth, which is God is good, and he is enough, and he does care for us. So when we replace that lie, it begins to change the way we think. You say... Living generously actually begins with this idea of understanding who God is, but because of the real enemy we have, we have to kind of rethink what's going through our head because our heads aren't always transformed into who he really is and the reality of the truth. I want to take a look kind of at that bigger story of generosity because the Bible actually has a thread of generosity throughout it. And so I want to go to the Bible Project here just to Jeffy and some of you know something about the Bible Project. If you don't, there's actually an app you can download stuff on. You can actually watch this little clip we're going to watch later in the week. We'll post it on Facebook. You can check it out there too as well. But we've got a little, a little clip here I want to show you. It just says, talks about the thread of generosity in the Bible and gives you kind of a little bit of an overview. And then we'll talk about that just for a little bit. So let's go to that clip now. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world, under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. 
maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over, it's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity, and so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham, and he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs, and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life. and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. And when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. I like them as we go through this. But we talked about God is the host and we are his guests. You see, it's his place. It's his stuff. He is the owner, not us. We are the guests at the host party. I love the analogy because it helps us to understand when we see that, that we're actually created to be generous. We, we see a generous host, God. We are a guest at that party because he's teaching us to live a generous life. But the world we live in is often filled with scarcity. So it actually comes against this idea 
of the gen a generous God. So when we don't see gener the generosity of God, many times it's because we're believing the lie and what the world's trying to tell us that that's not true, that the world's full of scarcity. Secondly, I'd like to notice that the, this idea that our resources aren't enough, and I told you this earlier when I just said it's not what we have, right? It's a mindset that we live. You know, Jesus understands that, and he understands that really our problems are not a lack of resources. Our problem is the way we think. And sometimes people use this idea of stinking thinking, but anyway, it's kind of that idea like we just don't always think correctly. And so we have to have a transformed mind. So transform mind by the renewing of your heart. You know, that's what the Bible talks about over and over. That God can be trusted, that that's the truth. He can be trusted. We have to renew our minds and think about our resources aren't the problem. And then thirdly, God wants us to experience his generosity, and I believe that's truth. If we look at this idea that his plan started when he gave himself. Like, he literally came into the world for us to experience generosity. And so, as a believer, you have experienced God's generosity you've got new life. So you have new life because of a generous God who went first before actually you had the opportunity. You know, Jesus actually, who was actually the host that we talked about, he lived a sacrificial, sacrificial life, but he actually believed in the Father's generosity. That's why he could live sacrificially. So he could give because he realized that God had enough. Like there wasn't this whole thing of like, we don't know if there's enough. And then lastly, just in that story, we mentioned that we're invited to live differently. Like, the invitation of the Father is for us to live a generous life. It's to actually go against what culture tells us, that there isn't enough, that there'll never be enough, that you won't have enough time, that you won't have enough resources, that you won't have enough whatever love to give to those people around you. We actually come against that stuff is what he's talking about. So how do we go from living in a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset where God, God is enough, He does have enough, He does care for me and love me? Well, we talked about it a little bit, but it has little to do with how much we have. But let's go to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. It says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you, he, could, he could make you rich. You see, God did that for us. He did that for you. Gener Jesus was actually the generosity in person. Like, God sent him, Jesus, into the world, and that shows the generosity of the Father. Furthermore, we look at God's grace, and it actually, God's grace fuels our generosity. You know, he gave his son so that we could have life and have it abundantly. That's what Scripture tells us. And the idea of his generosity is the foundation for us, right? Like, we, we look at what does generous living look like? What does generosity really look like? And we look at the Father's generosity in sending the son, and we say, that's actually the foundation for why we do it. You know, there's this quote, and this quote actually comes from Randy Alcorn, says this, and listen carefully, it'll be on the screens too, but it's got a lot to it. It says, God's grace is the lightning, and our giving is the thunder. Just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace. It is impossible to have a deep understanding of God's grace, of grace, and not give. So there's people that you know of that give, but don't understand God's grace. But what he's saying is, if we understand God's grace, we natural response to that is giving. You see, our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done, our understanding is directly impacted by the grace that we understand that he has given to us. 
we're, our generosity is like actually a thunderous clap is what we would kind of term that as. And term it as is in the idea, his idea of grace is the lightning, our giving is the thunder. God's grace, his gift to us, his generosity goes first. We give back. That's the response that we have to him. You know, God's good and he can be trusted is the truth, right? But the lie that we often believe is that he's holding out on us. He's not really going to be that good. But the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from him, right? Every good and perfect gift. We can trust that as reality. But we do have to replace the lie that we believe, that we don't have enough, we'll never have enough, we, we can't have enough, we don't have enough love, we don't have enough kindness, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough, you name it, time to go around. That's the lie that we believe. And actually, scarcity mindset is that. So you say, do I have a scarcity mindset? Can I just ask you the question? Do you have enough? Can you say you have enough? I heard it said this way, this idea of living on the other side of yes. I don't know if you've heard this, but I felt it was kind of revolutionary in my thinking for me was like living on the other side of yes means kind of what's your initial response. Somebody calls you, they're like, hey, I need, what's your first response? Oh, I don't know if I have time for that. I don't know if I have money. I don't know if I have, that's scarcity thinking. That's like, I'll never have enough. But the, your other side of that is, the other side of yes is always like, I could do that. Now, I'm not saying we don't need boundaries in our lives. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying most of the time our struggle is we're saying no. We're living on the other side of no. We're not living on the other side of yes. We're living in a place where everything is no. And honestly, I struggle with it too because you know what? I find myself with this different times in my life. I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have whatever the situation is. I can't do it right now. But God's generosity can be trusted. I want to unpack this concept a little bit, but... You know, at the root of selfishness is a misunderstanding, I believe, of ownership. So we kind of go back to God is the host, it's his, we are the people who get to steward it for him. But Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and, it, <clears throat> and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth is the Lord's. That's out of Psalms. Now, if we, if we kind of grasp that and we begin to shift our thinking in a radical way, I was talking to somebody here not too long ago, and they were talking about, they were looking at land, and land, if you don't know, is expensive these days. Um, but they were like, like, and they're like, you know what, it's actually God's anyway, so I'm not sure why I'm so worried about that particular thing in my life. Like, they were trying to change their thinking from this place that there'll never be enough to the reality of God provides, and that he's a generous father. You know, God designed us to live, <clears throat> excuse me, God designed us to live embracing wholehearted, can't grab my water, please. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> He's going to have to fight through this or fight through this, so. Thank you, Jamie. <clears throat> Usually I bring my water up with me, and I realized when I was watching the video with you guys that I had left it sitting there, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't need it. Wrong. God designed us to live and to embrace wholehearted generosity. I think that's just truth. That's a true statement. And if you didn't realize this, God actually has an amazing plan for your life to live generously. That includes your finances, your time, and your energy. He actually gives those things to us so that we can live generously. You know, in the next few weeks, we're actually going to unpack some of that because we're going to talk about that, uh, this whole thing of generosity. But right now, I want you to think about the generosity mindset 
comes directly against this idea of scarcity. Like it literally changes it. But it continues with our stewardship. Thank you. Wholehearted generosity in our lifestyle, the way we live, the things we do, where we spend things, like all of those things. But in Proverbs um, chapter 11, verse 24, and a little bit of 25, it says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We have a choice. We don't have to live that way. Um, but he says this, live generously or live scarcely, and he contrasts those two. But generosity begets generosity, meaning when I'm generous, I receive generosity. When I receive generosity, I'm generous. Like, it's, it's a cycle that happens as we go through. <clears throat> and I'm not getting over this right now, so. Um, just in our own lives, and Lori and I first were married, you may have heard me say this, but we didn't live real generously. We were struggling, and honestly, we didn't have a lot of money, like a lot of newlyweds um, have to figure that out. If you're not a newlywed and you're going to be, you'll figure that out. But um, we weren't living real generously. So we talked to a financial person, and we had them come in and help us out. And he was a godly guy, and he said, so where are you giving at? Let me see where you're giving at. Let me see what your tithing looks like. And we're like, well, you don't understand. We don't have money for that. And he just kind of stopped us in our tracks and he changed our lives because he said, you know what? You can't not do that. He said, if you want to learn to live well, you're going to have to learn to have generosity. Changed our life. I'm not kidding you. We've been married almost 39 years, and it changed our life radically because we learned to live generously, even when we didn't really have the resources in our hands. You see, it wasn't about what we had or didn't have. It was about our mind. It was about our thinking. It was a process that we went through. Because we really didn't believe quite that God was good enough or generous enough to take care of us. So it was like, we got to hunker down. we got to keep this. we got to figure this out. And it wasn't relying on him. You see, wholehearted generosity, generosity actually means freely giving even when we don't necessarily have it. We don't give, we don't get to give, or excuse me, we don't give to get, we get to give is kind of the idea. Luke uh, 6, verse 38 says, in the, this is in the message, give away your life and you'll find, you'll have, you'll <clears throat> give away your life, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back, given back with, bonus, with a bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way generosity begets generosity. Now, you can put that in money if you want to. I'm going to challenge you to think about that in everything that you do. Because one of the things we are world, our world struggles with is not just giving money. They struggle with giving time, energy, resources, and things back to people. Because that's what we are called to give away. Did God send his son to give us money? Like, literally. No, he sent his son to give us what? His life. Right? His love. He cares for us. He gave us everything. He didn't just give us a few things. Generosity is everything. It's all, of it, all we have. It's the whole thing. Winston Churchill said it this way. He said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Yeah, write that one down and hold on to it for a while because it's powerful. You know, I just want to reiterate for a moment that the journey of life, the journey to a life of generosity actually starts with one step. 
It just starts with a few simple changes in our life. And maybe you're a person who's living generously already, and if you are, God bless you, keep it up. But I really believe we all have a place to grow in generosity. I think it's something God just calls us into, and it's a growth process. And as we work through it in our lives, we learn to do it better. But it starts with something as simple as like taking a meal to your neighbor, maybe helping somebody with a heating bill, maybe plowing their snow or scooping their driveway or mowing their yard or the friend that calls that really needs you to just spend time with them on the phone or to go for coffee with them. That's generosity in action. That's living a life filled with generosity. You know, take time to engage with people. Take time to say yes to the things that God's calling you to. Growing up, I knew um, a couple. I grew up as a pastor's son, and many of you know that. And so growing up as a pastor's son, you have some privileges sometimes of finding out things that other people may or may not know. But most of the time, my parents actually didn't tell me these things till later in life because they're like, we don't, you don't need to be, have tainted ideas about people, so we just, they just held on to us. But one of the things that happened was I knew a couple who actually owned a business. They never really particularly appeared to be exceptionally well-off or anything, um, and I never really thought that much about it. And didn't, you know, I knew they gave, didn't really know how much and all those kind of things. But my dad was like, later in life, I asked him about it. He said, well, you don't understand what happened behind the scenes. He said, there's many times they took groceries to the person down the road or across the road. They paid for somebody's bills here or there, or they helped somebody with a car that broke down. You just didn't see that. But one particular case that struck me with them, and I found this out later, is that there was a particular mom that was struggling with um, raising her children and just all kinds of issues, they gave, I don't even know how much money, lots and lots of money that. But you know what else they gave? Hours and hours and hours of time and energy to that family. Now, I know that family and I know kind of how those children responded to that. And today, that generation has been impacted by somebody's generosity a whole generation ago that just quietly gave, spent time and money and energy and gave and gave and gave. But those children today are in such a much better place because somebody generously said, we're going to live this way. We're going to give and we're not going to withhold from anybody. So how do we live a generous life? It starts with a small journey, right? Like it's just one thing here, one thing there. It's an ongoing thing. It's things we grow into. Now, that couple's older today and I'm sure they probably still live their life the same way they've always lived it, impacting lives here and there as they go through. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be world changers, right? We're called to be people who give away generously because we're following the leader of our Heavenly Father. John Maxwell, who is a um, motivational speaker and he's also a pastor, if you don't know, says it this way. He says, most people are trying to increase their standard of living. Let's be people who increase our standard of giving. No matter what it is. Might be your time, might be your energy, might be your money. I don't know what it is. But what's God calling you into? I felt really strongly as I prepared this even like that the Holy Spirit's just going to speak. Like he's going to give you ideas of where that is for you because he's really good at that. So I'm not going to tell you where you're going to give. That's going to be his job. So we're going to go through worship here in just a minute. And as we go through worship, would you allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you to say, highlight this, highlight that. And then would you commit this week that when the Holy Spirit highlights something to you now during worship, would you commit to say, I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to do it. And just see what happens. And I'd love to hear your reports next week what it looks like just to live generously, just to go, I'm going above and beyond. I'm doing this because I believe it's what God's called us to do. Because 
The God who loves us, who cares for us, he truly is a loving, caring father who gives us enough. He is good. The lie we have to replace in our lives is that we'll never have enough, that he's not really good. And then we have to replace it with the truth, which is this, he's a good God. He loves us. He cares for us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you that you care for us, Lord. You go before us. And even as we come before you this morning and we talk about generosity, Lord, every one of us probably has a spot and point in our life where we're like, oh, we'd love to live more generously in that place. But would we, even as we go to worship now, would our hearts just be open, Lord? I pray that we'd open ourselves to you and let you speak, let you put your finger on things where we need to highlight uh, things in our own lives where we could live more generously than we do. And at the same time, we're so grateful for your generosity today, that you're here, that your presence is in among us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.